and welcome to episode five of Freight to the Point, a podcast by Zen Cargo. I'm Helena Wood, and today I am joined by Ian Powell, the Head of Solutions Consulting at Zen Cargo. So excited to have you here, Ian. We're going to be talking today about Ian's origin in supply chain, how he ended up in solutions consulting, and how he thinks the traditional industry should be disrupted. So welcome, Ian. Thank you very much, Helena. Nice to join you. Great to have you here. Ian, let's get free to the point. Tell us about your origins and how you got into the supply chain industry. It was more by coincidence than, than plan. So yeah, for myself, I, I'd finished sixth form, was kind of deciding how I was going to navigate university. I took some time, well, took two years off uh, to go traveling and whatnot. But um, one of the breaks between traveling was essentially I just had a job through a temping agency with Volvo, supporting their operational uh, business, um, planning the deliveries and scheduling of, uh, of finished goods. Uh, so trucks, buses, construction equipment and uh, cars. I spent, should we say, a summer doing that and then kind of went off traveling uh, for a bit and then came back to it. As part of coming back, I'd also decided to study whilst I was working. So that kind of gave me an opportunity to work as well as as, as complete my degree. And I was offered a job at uh, a permanent or full-time job at Volvo. So yeah, that was, that was kind of the start of it for me, initially in very operational roles. And then uh, that, that kind of developed into a nearly 15-year career with them. Amazing. And I can see at least five very formal-looking certificates behind you on the wall as you talk about your experience and your studying. What was the, the kind of academic journey for you? So you mentioned a degree, but I imagine you've probably done other qualifications since then. Yeah. So my first, well, in, invariably, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do as a career. So I kind of I went with the approach to do something, should we say, professional at university. So I actually did a law degree to start with, whilst I was kind of finding out what I really wanted to do in life. I'm still not sure I've concluded that, but the reality was, yeah, I wanted to do something professional that could kind of allow me, allow me to go into different avenues. So I did a law degree, I then did uh, a master's degree, and then yeah, I think I finished my master's in 2007, and then more recently finished an MBA at Cranfield in 2019. So, yeah gone through quite a journey I suspect I'm going to have more or do more over time but but that's that's what it is to date it's a very impressive track history do you enjoy pairing sort of education with work I do I mean I think for me it's important right we I think we're going into a period of time now where careers kind of span 50 60 years plus right particularly as people are working longer into life and whatnot so you've got to reskill to some extent you know, what I'm doing today is not necessarily what I'm going to be doing in 20 years. So I think it's quite important to match and pair both a career with kind of developing yourself because ultimately, like, the reality is the world changes pretty quickly. So God knows if I'm going to be doing this in in 10 years or 15 years even, and supply chain might be a different beast, right, then as well. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's important. That's, that's my personal view on it. Almost certainly. And I think it's a good example of how, you know, Firstly, a resonance that lots of us don't know what we want to do and still end up in careers that we find hyper rewarding, but also that having a good degree under your belt can can help you go in lots of different directions, even though you might not be sitting in a legal office right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it just I think it demonstrates people's aptitude to think and to do stuff right, process information and make decisions, but it doesn't necessarily dictate, like you say, what direction you're going to take. I think it just shows you're competent. Well, let's hope so, because my uh, art history degree is not helping me that much in supply chain. <laughs> yeah, but I, you probably still enjoy it outside of work, right? Of course I do. Of course I do. So let's keep going with that kind of trajectory of your career. So we're talking about Volvo and you had a long stint at Volvo. And then was it Kunanagel that you went on to next? 
Yeah, so I joined Coon and Argyle back in 2015. So, yeah, just before the birth of our second child. I went into a, a solutions solutions role, but solutions sales, so working in their 4PL business unit, um, driving sales, but also kind of the solutions behind that sales. So I was in the 4PL business unit for three years before then moving into solutions consulting for corporate partners so yeah in total i spent six years with coon and Arbor in two different roles and ian for anyone that's listening that doesn't necessarily know what we mean when we talk about solutions can you tell us a bit about what solutions within the supply chain space actually means and what a day in the life looks like invariably it's just about understanding customers challenges pain points and issues and how you can then tailor essentially a, a solution which could include you know service delivery it could include like technology it could include physical logistics uh, and execution logistics services to essentially overcome those challenges and problems i think a day in the life of varies quite significantly there's a lot of fact finding behind it's really understanding the customer's challenges, right? And that fact-finding can be workshops, you know, it can be as-is sessions, it could be having strategic alignment sessions with the customer to understand essentially what they want to achieve in their supply chain. And then it's really dissecting that back and saying, well, what enablers do you need to be able to, to meet those objectives? What challenges do you have in your current supply chain? And how do we kind of build a solution to, to, to overcome all of those things? It, it can also be... The, the business or the business case creation side of that. So you've identified all these areas of opportunity and how do you convert that to value? So what is the, you know, what is the ROI for the customer? What is the business case that drives a decision to do X over Y or, you know, A over B? So kind of broadly speaking, we go all the way from understanding through to generating the business case through to hopefully kind of driving that decision within the customer organization to make a change. That sounds really interesting and such a a complex role in a way, but I suppose that the real art for you in solutions is around taking something complex and, and reworking it into something that is in its simplest and most effective possible output, really, or end point. Yeah, I think it's taking all that uncertainty and kind of finding a direction and then putting that into something that invariably supports customers to make a decision. That's the that's the main point, I would say. And what was it about the solutions sort of consulting space that so appealed to you and that took you into this into this part of your journey? I'm not sure if it was by design at the start. I think it's more just inquisitiveness on my part. You know, I'm always quite inquisitive to understand how customers' supply chains operate, what they, you know, what they find to be difficult or challenges or, or issues that, that need to be addressed, right? So I think the interesting bit for me, although it's, you know, each customer supply chain is very unique to their own situation or their own circumstance or the product that they sell or the markets that they serve. So I would say, although it's quite a kind of, you know, it's simple in, in terms, but it's very different as well, depending on who you're speaking to and, and what the customer wants to achieve. So it's, it's quite varied. No one problem is the same in many instances. You find common themes and common problems, but invariably they're different depending on the circumstances. So all of those things are quite, they, they get you out of bed, right? And they keep you interested and inquisitive and interested in asking questions. I love the, the sense of the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know you're not someone who loves to talk about your yourself and your, your own strengths, even though you have so many. And so I'm going to ask this question in a way that I'm going to trick you into trying to tell me your strengths anyway, which is if there were anyone who was listening to this podcast who was thinking about a potential future in the solution space, what do you think the key skills that they would need to have to, to really be successful would be? It's probably, there's probably several. I think having a having a, a kind of organised mind and a structured way of thinking is probably a, a good starting point. But it's also to be inquisitive, right, to always ask those questions. You know, I always take the view that 
you know, there's no stupid question, right? Because it's everything's relevant in in context. So yeah, I think to have just be inquisitive, to have a kind of structured mind and a structured approach to the way of working, and also equally, I think if you like change and you like having a different, you know, different work environment every day, you like, you know, experiencing or talking to different customers, then, then yeah, those are some of the strengths I would say that you need to to fall into solutions. And yeah, I think just try different things, right? If you try different things, I'm sure you're going to, uh, you'll find the thing that, that really inspires you and motivates you to get out of bed. Do you have any particular projects that you've worked on that have been memorable or particularly satisfying to, to be part of? I mean, there's two I can think of kind of immediately, and both, both you know, what one during my time in Volvo. Well, there's there's many I can think of, but one during my time in Volvo was I spent nearly four years in India. So at that time, Volvo set up a joint venture with Aisha. One of those the projects within that joint venture was to start a new medium duty application engine plant in Pithampur in India. That was a greenfield site, so it was a whole new production facility. It was essentially, you know, producing. Um, medium duty application engines for the Asian market, but also producing what we call the base engine for the European market. So it was sending kind of the base engine into Lyon uh, in France for final assembly, whilst also providing kind of finished engines to different Volvo plants and Aisha plants and around the Asian region. So that was, I think the exciting bit about that was it was completely greenfield. So came together a team of of different competents from, from Volvo and from Aisha. You know, it was quite a, I would say it's quite an eye-opening project for me work with different cultures you know cross-cultural boundaries because we had essentially people from volvo who worked in you know france sweden the uk belgium versus people obviously working in india for the joint venture and kind of merging those two those multiple cultures together for a project team to deliver essentially what was a quite a big infrastructural project over a four-year period was pretty interesting you know we say we managed it to my role was to set up the inbound supply chain the outbound supply chain as well as um, support with logistics center operations and establishing what we call a volvo emballage packaging pool across india to to mainly service inbound manufacturers with packaging material to feed into the production site gosh that's so fascinating for so many reasons Firstly, all I can imagine is just at the end of the four years, quite how satisfying it must have been to to kind of go from nothing to something so sophisticated. Yeah, satisfying, but also like it, it was a kind of bittersweet moment as well. You spent so much of your kind of life dedicated to this in four years and then <laughs> projects delivered and you move on to something else, right? So you, you kind of miss the, you miss that maturity phase as, as you know, as everything starts to fall into place, the production, you know, is up and running at full capacity. You know, you miss all of those. You miss all of those milestones, right? Because you're only there for the the initial delivery and getting things getting things started and going. So it's always good to keep in touch with those people and and just understand where things are and how they're lying. But also, I mean, I've worked with loads of great people who have also excelled in their career as well past that. So it's it's quite interesting to keep in touch with with those people as well. Bet you had loads of fun while you were out in India for four years with that crew. Yeah, we we had good times. We also had <laughs> late days and late nights. And when I first started, we worked six days a week. So culturally, obviously, like in India, they work Monday to Saturday. So finished at like two o'clock on a Saturday. But that changed around a year in, moving to kind of standard working days. But yeah, it was, defi- it was definitely a life experience. Probably wouldn't change it for anything. So let's go on to Zencargo. You've now been with Zencargo just over a year. Tell us a little bit about some of the solutions that you've worked on at Zencargo. Yeah, so my my role 
initially it was kind of on uh, really on pre-sales, right? So it was supporting the BDMs, the BDDs to drive business development managers and business development directors to to drive solutions for for customers uh, or prospective customers. So I think in Zen Cargo, you know, a lot of our value is driven through the platform. Some of the oh, certainly some of the benefits that we drive through the platform is obviously efficiency, you know, optimization of resources. We're adding a technology layer into the customer's organization where they gain, you know, huge amount of visibility through our platform of their inbound supply chain. So it's really focused on the value levers that, that essentially return ROI for, for customers. Kind of through my tenure with Zen Cargo, we've also then developed a post-sales support function. So this is really working on those projects to drive lifetime value for our customers, right? So yes, you know, we may have implemented the technology with their with their freight forwarder of choice. You know, we're doing their execution and logistics, but the reality is is that throughout time, you know, we can identify areas of opportunity to drive further value for our customers. And data is a key component to that. So some things we're doing for customers is we're looking at how do we optimize their container utilization and fill rates? How do we look at optimizing their, should we say their network? So that could be, you know, port rationalization. A lot of our customers are sourcing from predominantly China uh, and, and Asia. But how do we rationalize their origin port usage to drive container utilization and fill? It could be more kind of specific projects, so it could just be moving to purchase order management level visibility if we were just doing freight level visibility. And all of that allows us to kind of drive additional value in terms of visibility and customers knowing what their inbound delivery scheduling is, what products they've got on time, what their intake planning should look like. So it's it's pretty broad. It's technology driven. It's also executional logistics driven. And there's probably, you know, there's probably a vast number of projects we're working on at any one point, as well as additional projects we're trying to drive for the customer. So it's about finding new areas of opportunity that we can drive value. I think one of the other areas I've been quite heavily involved in is, is obviously the the release and the launch of our sustainability offering, with sustainability kind of being a big, you know, it's a big thing in supply chain. It's a big thing in general. We've launched that obviously our sustainability offering. That's really reporting and measuring on the customer's uh, supply chain footprint. Linked to that is obviously the ability to do some value projects where we can drive the reduction in CO2 emissions. And that's through a number of different value levers that we're starting to work on with our customers. And then obviously there's another component, right, which is offsetting, which is really those those emissions you can't really save. We've offered our customers the option to offset some of those as well. So quite broad. It's, yeah, it's spanning pre-sales and post-sales. Um, and it's obviously an ever, ever-changing place as well for us as Zen Cargo, right? We're growing. We're, we're trying to service our customers in the best way. We have them at the, f- the forefront of our minds at all times. And it's interesting because obviously you talk about the fact that we've got lots of different customers. And when you come to have conversations about optimization, there's kind of so many different directions that you can go in and so many problems to solve and so many applicable solutions. But I wonder if you were to think about all the different customer conversations that you have and the problems that our customers tend to be facing and, and the way that you tend to address those problems... Are there any common threads that you see coming up again and again? If we look at it on a kind of macro level, right, it is about visibility more often than not. It's about getting more insights to what's happening in your supply chain. I think historically it's been very much customers are raising purchase orders to either their suppliers, their manufacturers, and then there's this, there's this black hole of sorts, right, where there's a lack of transparency, a lack of visibility within that kind of upstream activity for, for for our customers to really have sight of and then make decisions that might be required to be made if they had more visibility. So I think that's a big component. I think part of it's also to do with the tracking and the visibility of all of that material through their supply chain. I think historically what's happened is stuff's just moved. You know, we've all experienced quite a huge amount of kind of 
chaos the last couple of years, right? And that makes it ever more important and increasingly important to have that visibility. So I think that's the that's the key topic that comes up. But then on top of that, right, it's about how do you also drive value out of the supply chain? So how not only do you have now the visibility and you have the data and you have the capability to make decisions, you know, supply chain is a big cost for our customers in terms of their ability to service their end customers. So it's about how do you try and support them to to optimize that that logistics spend or that total landing cost of their supply chain, right? Because everything's really driven by, you know, your bottom line margins on, on products. So it's about doing things that also support our customers to be, should we say, efficient. And there's there's a lot of trade-offs, right? I think it's um it's not always a one size fits all. And there's a number of different value levers we can look at depending on mode of transport, depending on um, how they source their product, what origins they're sourcing from. I suppose what you look at from a solutions point of view is very unique to the customer-specific circumstances. But I think those are the two core areas. It's about visibility, um, supported through like a digital platform, and it's also about how do we optimise the supply chain and the cost and our total landing cost of products to our end consumers. It makes a lot of sense. And I can imagine there might be people listening who are really thinking about what that might mean for their business because you know, the, the kind of end outcomes from that if we think about business outcomes can be actually just so impactful on whether it's the bottom line or whether it's really hitting that customer promise there's so much scope there so let's talk a little bit about disruption because i think you know one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is that our speakers tend to all share the recognition that the supply chain space not only has experienced massive change in the last few years you know the pandemic brexit for us locally in the uk has in many ways accelerated change that was possibly you know, been coming. But I'd love to hear from you what you think is key to driving disruption in the supply chain industry. And I'd love to hear your your kind of vision of where you'd love to see change. I think the last couple of years is I think there's been a lot of force change, right? Because of the circumstances you've kind of described there. I think for me that where I'd like to see disruption, right, is about having having the possibility or the, the the capability to see kind of your supply chain across, you know, multiple functions of the business. There's still, I think in many respects, there's still like a disconnect between different functions. Supply chain is more holistic now than it's ever been. Like, like when I first started, we were talking to things about like logistics management and it was really focused on typically kind of the the reverse and forward um, logistics flows of goods. And, and I think it's become a much more kind of all-encompassing um playing field now with supply chain right it's span across multiple functions activities and different parties in like i suppose modern what are modern supply chains which are generally global right and and i think supply chain is it is now all encompassing but we don't really have the technology to kind of connect all the dots um, between those different functions and, and and parties and activities that are going in and i think i think technology is going to play a massive part in that um, and having a technology that can kind of give you that full, you know, that full transparency is something that's going to, I think, on my view, it's going to change the, you know, just check, going to change the, the industry significantly. It's exciting to think about where we're going to get to as tech really does increase that disruption. Because, I mean, we're already seeing so much change, right? Ian, thank you so much. You've shared some really fantastic insight and I've loved listening to your journey into solutions and what that means for the customers you're working with. I hope you're ready for our quick fire question round. I believe I am. Some edge of your seat stuff. Ian, tell us, if you could work for any supply chain company in any job, what would you do for a day? Apple. And oh, I'd probably like to work in their sourcing department for a day just to understand 
you know, they produce some awesome products, right? And it's just to understand how they coordinate all of that from a tech perspective as well. I think that would be fascinating. That would be fascinating. And Ian, would you rather or would you recommend that someone thinks about trying to make sure their supply chain is agile or resilient? Uh, for me, agile. Right. Res- resilience assumes that you kind of manage a crisis and then you revert back to pre-crisis state. And I think the reality of supply chain now is, is we will never get back to any status quo. So agility is best for me. Perfect. What's the best piece of advice you've been given while working in the industry? Uh, always be inquisitive and take opportunities as they come. Love that. And final question. Can you give us three words to describe the current market of supply chain right now? Challenging, uncertain, and full of opportunity. That's not more than three words, but... <laughs> we'll allow you that. We'll forgive you. Well, Ian, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much for joining us on Freight to the Point. And thanks a lot, Helena, for having me. Much appreciated. Not at all. And thank you too to our fantastic audience for tuning into this episode. If anyone has any questions or feedback, please do feel free to contact us on LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>